0: everyone, and welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where we talk to bands that you love, talk about concerts, and answer your burning music questions. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, we have another installment of Ask the Music Guy, and we're talking about how music menus can be more appealing and if record labels even matter anymore. So these are all listener-submitted questions. If you'd like to ask your own question, head to popsandhisses.com slash question and fill out the form. It's really easy, takes just a second, and you can be featured on a future episode of the show. So we're going to get to your questions soon, but first, let's take a look at the news. So there's a lot going on in music right now. U2 is back in the studio making a new album. Hopefully they don't put it on everyone's phones without telling anybody. Also, Kid Rock has a new song where he calls out snowflakes, and if you weren't sure, it totally, totally sucks. Uh, It sounds like a parody of a Kid Rock song written by a boomer complaining about millennials, which actually is something he does in the song. Skip it. In other music news, two of the biggest artists around have released new albums, or new-ish anyway. Taylor Swift re-recorded her album, Red, and the Swifties are out there in full-throated defense of her. Also, Adele released her new album, 30, at the same time. Adele's so big, she got Spotify to actually change their app. Have you heard about this? It's crazy. She requested that the shuffle be turned off when listening to her album. And Spotify, because it's Adele, just said, okay, okay. And they changed it, which is just crazy. Also, she's so big that an Australian TV host got in a hot water because he flew to London to interview Adele and then admitted in the interview he didn't listen to the album before interviewing her. So Sony, which uh, is where that's who released the record, right? Uh, They withheld the interview footage. (laughs) from the station, and they're totally missing out on rights to TV footage they paid a whole lot of money for. So that's no good. But both of those albums, uh, Taylor Swift's and Adele's, are dominating the Billboard charts. Taylor's especially, her new version of All Too Well, the 10-minute version, is number one on the Hot 100. It's the longest song to hit number one on the Hot 100 ever, because it's 10 minutes long. And uh, her new album... Red, Taylor's version is number one on the album charts at the same time. So it's a monster. Now, I'm going to get yelled at for this, but am I the only person who just isn't totally raving about this? I mean, I'm generally not a fan of re-recorded albums in general. They don't really do anything for me. It's like a covers album, but I think the best covers are those that do something new with the material. And these re-recorded things are just kind of rehashes of the same songs. Now, before you just stop shouting at your phone or at your car or wherever you're listening to me from, I'm aware Taylor Swift included new songs. But, you know, did this already super long album really need eight more tracks? I mean, don't get me started on all too well. It didn't really need a 10-minute version with even more cringy lyrics, despite all the people, millions and millions of you, who have streamed it so many times, it hit number one. But, you know, it, re-recorded albums just don't do a lot for me. They're, they're also not anything new. A lot of people think this is just a thing. Oh, Taylor Swift is doing this. How clever, how awesome. Well... A lot of artists have done this to escape rights situations that are unfavorable to them. Um, a lot of bands and artists that you know have re recorded hit songs uh, to get out from under weird label contracts or labels that won't release their music or that labels that sort of exist in a business sense but don't really do anything anymore. So, this is actually happening a lot more in the streaming era. Uh, artists who couldn't get their former labels to put their songs on streaming just made new versions of the songs. So you might not even notice that, uh, that one track from that one artist you love, uh, that old hit song that's on your favorites list actually is a new version. They just recorded a few years ago because they usually just record them exactly the same way. Anyway, I dig Taylor Swift. I'm fully supportive of her efforts to take control of her back catalog in her own way. And the way she's doing this is really cool. It's obviously resonating with her fans. I'm just not that excited to me, it just amounts to a super deluxe version of an album that came out nine years ago. But that's me. You do you. All right, so we're back with another edition of Ask the Music Guy. On this episode, we have two questions. The first comes from Ian, Ian Iello on Twitter. He asked, what do local venues have to do to provide or to get young people to going to get to see local artists again? So that's a really good question. Um. Especially because a lot of music venues, if you go to them, they are very clearly aimed at adults. Uh, The 21 plus crowd, they're usually big bars on one side or in a corner or whatever. Tables and chairs, maybe, maybe not. Open floor in a stage. So it's obviously like, hey, come here, get a drink, go watch the show. Um Not so much uh, friendly to the underage crowd, or I I can even imagine being a non drinker being at a show with all the beer and stuff. So that's uh, its own issue, too. But uh, let's start with how venues can be inviting to young fans. So first of all, this is a simple one, but having an all-ages policy, it's a huge step. A lot of venues are bars. They actually probably make most of their money selling drinks. So being inviting to younger fans, I could see, might not be a huge priority. But having a good all-ages policy is a must Um, so many of us started going to those, those of us that are hardcore concert goers started going before we could have a beer. You know, we were teenagers. That's what got us going. So I think for the future of your own music venue, you've got to be inviting to young people. Um, here where I'm in Omaha, there's actually city law that defines how underage fans can be allowed into music venues, what they have to do. They have to have permission slips. They could be a one-time use, right? Or they can be permanent on file. I go to a lot of concerts at this place. So my mom and dad gave me this permission slip. It's on file forever. Um, they also have hand stamps, big, huge stamps, you know, that you put on each hand or some sort of mark to make sure, Hey, this person's not buying alcohol. I th- I think it's really important to have those things. I'm sure it's a pain for those clubs, but if you're a parent you can take your kid to a concert, drop them off at a show and know at least as well as you can, they're going to be all right. They're going to be taken care of. There's, you know, rules around these things. And I think that's a good thing. Obviously, also inviting artists that young people want to see is a next step. All kinds of artists I wouldn't ever go see, uh, but they're hugely popular, you know, teenagers and and kids and stuff. So that's a big thing. Or those those tours that they're just fancy meet and greets for like YouTube stars. I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. But, you know, some kids want to see that. So having those sorts of things are really important too. Now, when you're talking about local bands, that's its own thing because each scene is different in the, in your city is going to be different than in my city. Um, you know, you, you've you got to get those local bands that care, that are charismatic, that that are going to get out there and do promotion, not just uh, make a, one a Facebook event and invite some of their friends. You know, they're really going to get going. You want to get a lot of high school age people get that band and it's hard to know this as an adult booking concerts at your concert venue but get that band that's going to have a lot of friends that's you know maybe play maybe played at some high school event and people saw them and now they'll come to your venue so you've got to work on getting those local artists in um you know I think going beyond the bar thing and talking about amenities and stuff is a really big way to attract and especially retain younger audiences so you're going to attract that audience by bringing in a band that they're going to want to see. You're going to get them coming back by continuing to do that, of course, but also doing things that they're going to dig, you know, they're going to go into your place and be like, that's a cool venue, man. I can't wait to see another show there. That was so much fun. Not just because of the artist, but because of what they did, saw, drank, ate, whatever at your venue. So, uh, you know, I said before going beyond the bar thing would be a huge help. I mean, Coffee houses are great alternatives to bars. When I was a teenager, I remember hanging out in coffee places all the time because where else can you hang out late in public? You know, you can either go to your friend's house or you can go to a coffee house because that's the only place that's open late that you can get into. So, you know, maybe hire a barista. I know that sounds like a pain in the ass, but, um, it also could be a big hit, especially one with those non-alcohol drinkers, but also with, uh, those kids that, want to go to a place like that so you know you can also do things like partner with a nearby restaurant to do food like slices of pizza not sit down meal and just do those little things in the bar or in sorry not the bar in the venue that would be appealing to people uh, especially kids you know stuff that's there but is not necessarily the concert or the bar like arcade games also arcade games that aren't centipede that or uh, Pac-Man or Street Fighter that appealed to us old folks, Uh, but you know, things they would think was fun. A photo booth. I mean, this sounds really silly, but maybe even a selfie station. It sounds dumb, but what if there was a well-lit corner of your venue with a sweet mural or a neon sign of the name of the bar or something like that? Guess how many people would take selfies in front of it? Tons of them would. That would be super cool. I'm not Suggesting you turn your music venue into one of those selfie museums. But, you know, have a spot or two in the place where you can get a good photo. I'm sure you have people literally lining up to do it. And by the way, also free advertising for your venue. So those are just some of the things I thought about. Obviously, that couldn't be everything. If you got anything else, any other ideas, I would love to hear them. Uh, Hit me up via the website or uh, send me an email or find me on social media. All right, real quick, I want to talk about this very podcast, Pops and Hisses, and our website, popsandhisses.com. So, this podcast is about to start coming out weekly, so keep an eye on your favorite podcast service on Tuesdays. That's our planned release day. Follow me on Twitter, at Omaha Guy for updates, in case we take a week off, say for the holidays or something like that. Also, I'm back writing concert reviews regularly. I've been writing about music for more than 15 years, primarily in the Omaha World Herald, and... Of course, the pandemic threw a wrench in the gears of the concert industry, including my ability to see concerts. But I'm happy to tell you I'm going to be back in the Pages of the World Herald as a freelancer. I'm also going to continue to write for PopsAndHisses.com and all of the reviews from the paper, plus all of the other reviews I do, both of those are also posted on our site. So last week I saw country duo Dan and Shay and I saw indie rock band Silver Sun Pickups. Any guesses which one I liked more? But you know, you can find it all on popsandhisses.com. And while you're at it, subscribe to the Pops and Hisses podcast on your favorite podcast app. All right, on to our second question. So, this is a neat one. Do you think record labels will be obsolete at any time with the way the bands and artists can basically do everything themselves with the internet? That question, which is a great one, comes from Kelvin on Twitter. So, the nature of record labels have Definitely changed, but I don't think that they're going to go away. They are still the best way to get your music out there, of course, if that's an option for you and you've been offered a recording contract. So, a lot of people don't actually know how record labels work. They are, you know, can do a lot of different things. In the modern sense, uh, first off, a label is offering its connections, they know people. They know studios. They've worked with studios. They know publicists that they could hire for you. They know producers who've worked with their other artists in the past. They know booking agents. They've done this whole thing a bunch of times. And doing it with you will be easier with them on your side because they can make those connections for you. Second, record labels are kind of like a bank. So recording an album properly, I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised like renting a studio, hiring a producer, getting it mixed, getting it mastered is damn expensive. So a label fronts you that money. They pay you in advance. If you've ever heard that term, that's what it means. They say, Hey, here's some money. We're going to go help you make the album. So they're kind of like a bank though. Technically you owe them that money and you'll pay them back as, uh, your album gets sold and streamed. So you look at those breakdowns and people talk about how much people make from Spotify and stuff. There's a, uh, some goes to Spotify, some goes to label, some goes to the artist. Well, Until you hit that break-even point, the amount of money that you paid, everything for you, that portion that would go to the artist, goes to the label too. Eventually, you'll hit that break-even point um, and sales beyond that start paying you. Uh, This is the basic version. Details will vary from artist to artist. Uh, You might get paid a little bit on top you know, to keep you having some money while the label takes a larger share until you hit break-even. It can kind of depend. But basically, the... Record label is a bank loaning you money to make your record. So that's a huge benefit. The alternative is paying it for yourself or doing Kickstarter or whatever. And, you know, that's risky or expensive. Who has the money to go, you know, hire a bunch of people to do this stuff? Not everybody. Um, And last of all, labels are just an all-in-one services business. They have publicists on staff. They have a radio department. They'll make merchandise for you. Uh, They'll work to get music placements in TV and movies. They have designers that will make your album art. They can just do a lot of stuff for you. And that just goes into the marketing and creation and getting your music out there and take that stuff off your plate. None of this is stuff that no you couldn't do on your own, but um, they just kind of do all those things for you, which is really nice. So I think labels have definitely become less important than they were, at least those major labels. And that's also seen a lot of this technology and things that I'm talking about is more accessible than ever. So you've also seen a ton of smaller labels pop up. You and I could create a music label right now. um, If you had some savvy or some connections in some of these things, I mean, it's easy to upload an album to Spotify. It's not difficult. Uh, So those big labels have become less important. You can do all this stuff on your own and a lot of artists do it. They do it themselves or they create their own label and they're really successful at it. But if it came to me, and I was in a band, and I had a label offer to pay to make my record, do all that stuff for me, get the record out there, do the marketing, or do it all on my own, I'd probably take the label deal. And I bet most musicians you know probably would too. Thanks so much for your questions. Remember, you can submit your own question to be featured on a future podcast at popsandhisses.com. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter as at Omaha Music Guy or find my page on Facebook by searching for Kevin Coffey, which is spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y. Thank you to Herd Media for producing the show and find lots more of our podcasts at herdatmedia.com slash network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A at Media production.